Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Stocks for beginners. Phil Muscatello and FinPods are authorized reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation. Because you know, charts always keep going up and down, and so do our emotions also go up and down with the chart. Because if you're in a stock, it's going up in your favor, and you're feeling really excited, you're really happy. And then suddenly comes a big red bar, and then the stock starts pulling back down. You're like, oh my God, you know, why is this happening to me? And then you start being negative. This always seems to happen on my trades. I don't know why, what's wrong with me? And then you see it go back up again, and you're like happy again. So it's that roller coaster, and research has proven that, you know, trading releases the same hormones of dopamine and serotonin, the same ones that that people get from gambling and you're doing so all sorts of activities. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatillo. Are you in the stock market for the short or the long term? And how do you incorporate your values into your life in the markets? Joining me to discuss all and much more is Anmol Singh from Live Traders. Hello, Anmol. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to chatting with you. Oh, thanks very much for coming on. Anmol Singh was born in Delhi, India, and went to Brunel University. He started trading in his dorm and saved enough money to legally start multiple franchises and move to America. At 22, Anmol established himself as a successful trader and has been featured in many major media outlets. Today, he and his team at Live Traders show people how to execute trades, review different scenarios, and control their emotions. So let's go back into the past. What was your first foray into the markets? Was that in India or in America? Yeah, my first foray was actually in uh, London. I was in my dorm room. Uh, This was the first year of university. And uh, everybody, you know, started to talk about what's the career path, talking about their internships or future goals and programs. And uh, for me, you know, I wasn't able to get even an internship. I applied to a lot of different places. I wasn't able to get in anywhere. So it really dawned on me that wow, what if I graduate with this great degree, but then not able to find a job? So that's where I kind of started looking into maybe I need to find something else that I need to do. And uh, it typically just started off with going online on uh, you know YouTube, watching a lot of videos, reading a lot of books on that subject. Uh, and then in our university, they used to have uh, different societies, like an entrepreneur society, different sports society. I was like, there's nothing for trading and investing. So that's kind of me and my friend. We both had a keen interest in the stock market. So we started in college, uh, the Trading and Investing Society, where people, like-minded people, would just meet up once a week. And we just talk about the markets, try to learn together. And uh, actually, the great part is that that society is still in existence till date, which is awesome. <laughs> so was that um, trading on the FTSE or did you go straight to um, S&P 500? Or, and I went straight to the U.S. stock market. Yep. Um, I think maybe that's because the resources available online were primarily for the U.S. stock market at that moment. Uh, so I think that's kind of why I went into it, yeah. Yeah, was it simple to uh, trade the market from um, from London at that stage? Yeah, it was actually pretty good. As I, I think it's the perfect time zone for the U.S. market because I would go to my lectures at college in the morning from you know 8 to 9 to 10. And then I think around 12 or 1 o'clock, we would come in and uh, trade the U.S. stock market. So it fit in perfectly with my schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. Did you make any mistakes right at the start? 
a lot of mistakes. I, I actually, b- believe it or not, I lost money my whole first year of trading. Yeah. Right? It was a lot of mistakes. You know, I uh, didn't know what I was getting into. I thought pr- push, uh, you know, pushing the buy or sell button makes me a trader. But as we know, that's not the case. Uh, you really need to know what you're doing. So yeah, my whole first year, I was just making a lot of mistakes. Um, but the biggest mistake was really you know, your own mindset. You're not able to follow through on what you've decided. And uh, that's kind of what it dawned on me that, okay, maybe apart from just the trading part, I need to focus also on the mental aspect. Mm. Yeah, that seems to be a big part of it, doesn't it? I mean, I talk to so many people and it's about how what's going on in your own head as opposed to just having that plan. Because if you have the plan, that's great. But um, then the emotions start to kick in, don't they? Yeah, totally. And I think that's half the battle because uh, you could tell somebody, okay, here's a strategy. Here's what you need to do. But then are they actually going to do it? That's like a whole different ballgame. And then, you know, then the human emotions of fear and greed come into play. You know, you're holding a stock, it's going down, you should technically be out of that, but you think it'll come back up, you know, and uh, that's one of the things. And then you hold a stock, it's going exactly where you thought it would, it goes to your target, but you're like, it might go further. So you just keep holding on. So there's all these battle, emotional battles that come into play. Uh, And I think that's half the battle of being a professional trader is really controlling your emotions. Mm. What were the franchises that you started? Was that in London as well? Uh, no, so I was, uh, you know, in, in college, just you know, trading for my dorm room. I was already a successful trader uh, by my third year of college, but I couldn't really move to the United States just based on trading, right? You can't really obtain a visa or things of that nature. <laughs> I'm a hot shot with the buy and sell button. So <laughs> let me in. <laughs> exactly, because they'd be like, "Okay, you can do that online. Why do you need to come into the country?" Yeah. Um, so that was one of those things. So for me, I started franchise businesses more so as a way of, you know creating employment so I can finally come into the United States and, you know, work and live here legally. Um, so that's why I started. It was auto in the auto service center. Uh, we'd have people who'd come to get their cars making faster, louder, you know, performance tuning the cars. So uh, I started that business. I didn't know anything about it, uh, but it was just a way for me to get into the country, get my foot here, uh, and then, you know, eventually just uh, transition into trading full time. Gee, what, what sort of cars? Was this in London? You were actually doing the auto care stuff in London to... No, this was in New York. Oh, in New York, um, yeah. So yeah. after I, I went to you know, uh, London for college, I mm-hmm. finished about four to five years. I lived there, did my degree, got my degree and everything. And I was already making a decent amount of money at that time from trading. Uh, so the franchises were starting in New York just as a way for me to legally work and live there. Um, so that's the only reason I really started. It wasn't a passion project at all. Oh, okay. It was more so... Uh, yeah, yeah. Also just to make it there. So you don't want to talk about hotting up cars or anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. The, my best my best decision was when I actually sold the business, which was yeah. right before COVID. So perfect timing. Mm-hmm. So that was my, uh, you know, kind of the best thing. I sold that and, um, you know, I've just been trading full time since uh, 2010 mm. now. Well, as the name of this podcast suggests, we're talking about stocks for beginners. So someone who's, you know, they're tuning in for the first time t- today how do they start to decide um, about what kind of investor they are in the stock market? You know, whether they're a long-term trader or whether they should start exploring the short-term trading side of things like someone like yourself. Yeah, I think the first step that people need to do is they really need to think about how much time do they have to devote into it, right? Because if you're somebody who already has a job, you already have a business, you know, you're not going to have time to do uh, what professional traders do all day long because that's a job in and of itself, right? You have to be there to actually execute on those trades. So that style is not really right for everybody. The the best style that I recommend, everybody should be a long-term investor, in my opinion, because that is something that is a wealth-building style. So the way we talk about it is there's two types of 
trading and investing. One of them is income producing, where you're actually trading in and out to generate an income to pay our bills off or to live off. And then there's a style known as the wealth building, where you're taking an account and your goal is just to keep growing it for the long haul. Now, the wealth building style, everybody should be doing that, right? And the way to determine is basically say, hey, how much time can I devote into it, right? And also uh, how patient of a trader you are, right? Maybe you're not patient. Maybe you're not able to hold on to stocks for the long haul. Then maybe your mindset is more suitable towards short-term trading. Um, So you really need to think about, you know, what my time horizon is, you know, how patient am I? How much time can I devote into it? And more so, do I really have to desire to actually learn to do this properly? Because if you don't have the desire, then don't bother about trading and any of those things. Just focus on investing into the markets, generate a you know consistent, reliable income for the long haul. I think that, in my opinion, is the style that everybody should be doing. And is your style of trading based on technical analysis? Uh, correct. So uh, when I am doing the income producing style, where I'm actually day trading, I'm doing short term trades, holding stocks for a few days to a few weeks, that is all based on technicals, right? Because uh, fundamentals uh, can't really tell you what's going to happen three days from now. Fundamentals are more applicable for the long haul. Um, so when it comes to trading, it'll be only technicals. Uh, when it comes to investing, it'll be a mix of fundamentals and technicals, meaning I'd invest in companies that I like, I trust, I find that they're going to be fine in the long term. That'll be kind of my fundamental bias, but I'll still time when I'm going to get in based on the technicals. Mm. And what's what are your favorite kind of indicators that you um, suggest beginners start looking at? Yeah, I actually don't use any indicators. Uh, I use just a candlestick charts with mm-hmm. volume yep a typical price action uh, because you know all the indicators are formed based on the price so price always happens first and then the indicators are calculated later so they're always technically lagging um, so the best way that I could sell and to also to keep it simple is just to look at the chart and learn how to read the price history of the chart know which cycle or stage we are in and that's all people need to look at they don't need to focus on fancy patterns or fancy strategies just be on the right cycle like the bell curve if you imagine a bell curve just be on the right cycle of uh, right side of the bell curve and um, it doesn't matter if you're going to get the exact correct entry or the bottom as long as we get the meat of the move uh, that's pretty much all that matters hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So just describe a candlestick uh, chart for listeners. I know it's hard in a, an audio format like this, but they're the ones where you get the um, you can si- kind of see the price movement on a particular time period. Is that the case? Correct. So uh, each candlestick is typically looks like a bar. Um, there's two types. There's either red colored or green colored. Uh, green color would basically mean that it went up from where it opened, right, for that period. And red one, which primarily would mean it went down. So the way it will work is just imagine like a bar. Uh, the bottom price of the bar is where the stock opened. So let's say the price is $32. Now, the stock went up as high as, let's say, thirty-two fifty, right? Uh, and then it came back down and closed at thirty-two forty. So then there'll be a little wick at the top, which will say how high it went, 
right? And then the top, uh, the top of the bar would tell it where it closed. So that's just like a typical candlestick. But what candlesticks do is then a bunch of candlesticks come together to form patterns. And then those patterns are what we're using to create strategies. And then those strategies are what we're using to uh, trade off uh, and make money. Now, they're primarily just statistically based. Uh, it's it's uh, simply a matter of on a losing trade, let's say if I only lose $1,000. On a winning trade, if I make $2,000. Now, by that measure, I could be right 40% of the time, so wrong 60% of the time, and still end up making money. So it's all just a matter of statistics as how uh, trading really works uh, in, you know, uh, at our firm is just to be right 40 to 50% of the time. That's all we need to do. But just make sure the winners are twice the losers. And then the math always works out. Uh, and they'll end up being profitable. And uh, a lot of uh, listeners, I, I just wanted to say um, those candles, they're based, there used to be an OHLC, or you can still do an OHLC ca- um, kind of representation, visual representation, but it's not quite as useful, is it? That's the open, high, low, close kind of representation. Correct. But, but a candle's got it, gives you a little bit more of a um, an indication of something that you can visually look at and work upon. Absolutely. So candlesticks just make it visually easier to spot. Because when you look at an OHLC, uh, they will have a bunch of lines, but you really wouldn't know if it went up or down at first glance. Whereas by looking at a candlestick, because it's green or red, like just at first glance, you know if it went up or down. So it just makes it visually easier. Uh, but in the end, they both are telling us the same thing. There's also a school of thought about that you can actually study the candles themselves, isn't there? You're not part of uh, that kind of movement? Yeah, there's a lot of the school of thought that looks into different candles and what they mean. Uh, but I think uh, that's a very uh, limited view of candlesticks, right? Because what also matters is where they're forming, how they're forming, because what if the stock has been running up? 10 days in a row when that candle forms, that's going to be completely different than seeing that candle after the stock's been going sideways. So where it forms, how it forms, right, has a lot to do. And the prior history of the stock has a lot to do with it as well. So I don't really subscribe to the school of thought of just reading a candlestick. Uh, It's more so in the relation of other candlesticks where it is located. You mentioned a little while ago that you're uh, looking at trading over a period of uh, days or weeks. Is that kind of time horizon that you're looking at? Uh, Correct. So I have uh, three styles of trading. Uh, One of them is day trading, where I'll be trading in and out every single day. And uh, typically a trade might, I might be in it for just a few minutes. Uh, That's taking advantage of smaller price moves, but with maybe a larger quantity of share size uh, to make an income. Now, the second style that I have is called swing trading, where we're just trading the swings on the daily chart. Uh, So a typical trade might last three days to maybe a week or two. That's kind of the typical time horizon. So that'll be swing trading. We're taking advantage of small price movements. Uh, and then there'll be investing, where typically uh, I have a, a basket of stocks that I like and, and enjoy. And those I will hold on for the long haul. And I will just keep dollar cost averaging uh, into those for the long haul. And that'll be my uh, long-term portfolio. So those are the three different styles that I employ into my trading. How do you interact with your own values in how you approach markets, Hanmo? Uh, totally. So my top value is you know integrity and morality now what integrity really means the way i define it is doing what you said you're going to do and then doing it when you said you're going to do it now if you're a trader of uh, with integrity you're going to be having a really fruitful career right because you said you're going to do something and then you just do it there's no questions whereas a, a person which lacks integrity in their trading would more so be like hmm you know it hits their target they're like well maybe it'll go back up 
and they just keep you know they'll just keep holding or the stock is you know going down they should technically be out of it based on their plan because they said if i'm going to buy the stock at ten dollars if it goes down to nine i'll get out and take a small loss but when it goes down to nine they're holding because you know what it'll come back up maybe it'll come back up so that's a lack of integrity when it comes to your trading because you said you're going to do something and then you don't do it and that is a recipe for a you know very tough career to say the least so uh, that's my biggest value uh, and i teach that to all my students and members at our firm is that make a trading plan just like when you get into a business you have a business plan so when you're getting into investing or trading you should have an investing or trading plan and then all your goal is to just get yourself to be emotionally strong to follow through on that plan so those values i think uh not only just in trading i think it affects all areas of your life and presumably you have to hold yourself to account i mean if you have a job and you do a bad job the boss is going to tell you that you're doing a bad job but um, you're by yourself in this situation aren't you and you you're only fooling yourself if you don't hold yourself to account based on your own integrity absolutely i mean that's i think the biggest reason why a majority of traders fail because as you said rightly they come from an environment of being in a job where they have a supervisor they have a boss they have somebody looking over their shoulder and if they don't do what they said they're going to do guess what they're going to have consequences right uh as part of the job now with trading you are your own boss right you are an entrepreneur pretty much there's nobody holding you accountable there's nobody coming after you you have to create that accountability and the consequence structure for yourself so at our firm when we have traders we usually pair them together as accountability partners and their goal is to keep each other accountable and then there will be consequences. Hey, if you break your plan, you have to, you know, PayPal him $100. Or if he breaks his plan, he's going to PayPal you $100. And soon, lo and behold, you're like, okay, I'm getting tired of sending $100 every single time. And then you end up, you know, just falling through on your plan. So creating those type of accountability structures and consequences are uh, imperative when it comes to trading success. So you you have three questions that you ask people to ask themselves when defining their values. What are those three questions? Uh, the, the biggest top questions would be, A, just uh, to determine. There's two types of values. Ones are your current present values that you have right now. And then there's values that you want to cultivate, right? So maybe you want to do something, but you're not really there yet. So first, got to define what our current values are. So the way we do that is by taking a look at what do I spend my most time doing, right? Uh, what do I spend most of my money on, right? And what do I surround my space with, That'll tell you what your top values are. So if you come to my place, you'll find you know a lot of books, a lot of art, uh, a lot of those things. So then you clearly can tell I value knowledge, right? I spend majority of my time uh, reading or watching videos. So clearly learning is one of my top values at the moment, right? But maybe there's a value that I want to cultivate. I want to create a cultivate of a value of health, a healthy mindset of being, you know, eating healthy. But maybe my actions are not showing that right now. So even though that is a value that I want, but that's not a value that I have at the moment. So uh, first, we're going to distinguish between what your values are and what values you want to cultivate. And then uh, you'll have to uh, work on that as a whole process. Let's have a look at the emotional roller coaster. What are some of the common features of a trader's emotional roller coaster? Yeah, I think the emotional roller coaster uh, really comes from when we're sitting there without a plan and we're just looking at the chart. Because you know, charts always keep going up and down, and so do our emotions also go up and down with the chart. Because uh, if you're in a stock, you know it's going up in your in your favor and you're feeling really you're excited, excited. You're really happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're just like yes it's yes it's going I'm, I'm right and then suddenly comes a big red bar 
and then the stock starts pulling back down. You're like, oh my God, you know, why is this happening to me? And then you start being negative. This always seems to happen on my trades. I don't know why. What's wrong with me? You start going into that mode and then you see it go back up again. Then you're like happy again. So it's that roller coaster. And research has proven that, you know, trading releases the same hormones of dopamine and serotonin, the same ones that people get from gambling and, you know, doing so all sorts of activities. So uh, as a trader, we have to control that in real time. Right, those hormones. So, uh, and that's a real thing. Um, so, you know, that's the emotional roller coaster. But the key to being successful is being unemotional and controlling it. Now, you can't really truly be unemotional all the time, but you can control it as long as you don't act on those emotions. Uh, that's you know the step in the right direction. What What is that point where you reach? Um, is it about having a plan? Is it about journaling? Um, what are the kind of techniques that you espouse to get over that emotional roller coaster? Yeah, definitely. I think the step one is obviously having a plan because a plan really eliminates a lot of the gray area, right? A good trading plan is not going to have a lot of gray areas. It's going to be black and white, meaning if, then, this, that statements, right? So you're basically following through. So now if you have a well-defined written trading plan and you're just following through, it eliminates a lot of those noise and emotions because, well, this is what's written down and this is how you're going to manage the trade. So that's step one. Uh, Step two is obviously journaling your thoughts. Now, a lot of some of the students actually use a physical journal. They write down what their thoughts were and, you know, why they took the trade and how they were feeling. Uh, Some people, which I have recommended, they actually video record themselves while trading because it's super fascinating to when after the trading day, they watch themselves trading. So their screens being recorded, but also their cameras being recorded. And you can just see their emotions like in the camera like, you know, doing this or feeling jittery. And that's a way for me to kind of tell and coach the trader, like, hey, just look at yourself. Like, you're being so emotional in that moment. Uh, So I think that's another step. Uh, So journaling, recording yourself. And then step number three is to actually track your trades on a spreadsheet. So are you moving forward or not? So a lot, it's very easy to lie to ourselves. Like, yeah, I'm a great trader. You convince yourselves, right? Uh, But then just look at the spreadsheet. Are you actually making money? Is it actually working for you? If not, then the spreadsheet will also tell us what we can fix, what we can tweak, what we can optimize to get ourselves closer to that profitability. So those three key uh, characteristics every successful trader has. And if you're going to be successful, you need to have all those things of, you know, tracking, journaling, and looking at your emotions. Can you describe a case study of uh, one of your students and um, just describe what their journey was like going from uh, being over emotional to going to being able to execute a plan? Yeah, totally. I mean, in fact, I'll give you my uh, my, my own starting out when I was early in my trading. So I joined, uh, this is in London, I was in my dorm room and I, I joined a prop firm uh, in New York City. So I was trading remotely for them from my dorm room. I was mm. working for that firm. So I was trading their capital in exchange for a percentage of profits that I used to give them. And at that firm, they had all these levels, like level one, level two, level all the way to level 10. And uh, they had targets. If you hit, uh, let's say, $300 a week, two weeks in a row, then you go to level two. Now you got to make $500 a week, two weeks in a row. Then you go to level three. And they had all the, sorts of these targets. And I did really, really well going from level one to like level seven in the firm, where at that point, I had like a $10 million account that I had to trade with and make money on. But then I kind of plateaued. I got stuck there, and um, I just wasn't able to follow through on my trading plan. And I would, you know, get into a trade. I would set a target, let's say two to one uh, risk reward ratio, and it would go like one to one. And I'd start feeling jittery. I'd start taking my profits early, and then I'd watch it go to two R, uh, two to one anyway. I watch it hit my target, but I got out early. And then I would write my thoughts down in my journal. You know, got out too soon. I should have held it. 
And then I did that for every single trade for the next three months. And I actually physically printed out the chart of the stock, marked it by hand where my entry was, where I got out, why I got out, my thought process, and also tracked a lot of my trades. What if I did hold them till my original target? How much would I have made then versus how much did I actually made? And the difference at the end of like three to six months was staggering. Like I could have already progressed up the firm. I could have hit my targets. But because I got out early on a lot of those winning trades, I missed the target. So then it dawned on me that I'm actually a good trader. I'm just holding my own self back, right? Then I'm kind of holding myself back. And that was one of the biggest realizations. And uh, I had a lot of nights where I, you know, well, you know, went into my toilet looking myself in the mirror and be like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Taking a good, long, hard look at yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like, why do I keep getting out? Yeah. Like, everybody, I know what the right thing to do is. Why can I not do it? That's so ridiculous. And I thought about quitting many, many times at that point. Uh, but then, you know, I just pulled through. I looked at my spreadsheet and I said, the spreadsheet's making money. So it's clearly me. So if I fix me, I can progress further down. And that was a turning point where, I was like, okay, I'm going to give one last shot to my trading, but I'm going to give it the right shot, do everything I'm supposed to do, and then let's see where we end up. And mm. that was the best decision ever. What is a prop firm? I mean, I've, I've, I know what it is, but describe for listeners. It's a fascinating idea, isn't it, that someone's just going to give you some money to trade and you just basically live and die by um, the outcomes of your trading. Uh, correct. So a prop firm is basically, uh, let's say, a brokerage firm, so to speak, but they have their own funds. Let's say a brokerage firm has a $100 million account. Now they have 100 different traders. They might give each trader, let's say, a million dollars each, and we're basically trading the firm's capital, and uh, they would make money because they would take roughly 30% of everything you made in exchange for giving you the money to actually trade. So that's a really good uh, for younger traders starting out uh, because as younger traders, we don't have enough money saved up. We can't really you know, trade uh, with five or $10,000, really, we need a, a capital size. So what the firm allows you to do is it gives you all the softwares, all the tools, all the money to trade. Now, uh, the you can't actually lose all their money because they will, even if they, even though they might be giving you 10, uh, $10 million, if you lose, let's say, $5,000 in a day, it, it, it automatically shuts off the platform. So that was good because that's forced risk management, right, which most traders don't have. Most traders lose because they keep going when they're losing. Whereas at the firm, if you have a lost target, if it's hit, you're done for the day. Come back tomorrow. They might have lost targets for the week. If you get done for the day, you know, done for the week, come back next week. And at the same level, you'd also have profit targets. So it was actually like a, you know, approach that was very binary. You can see your progression, uh, which actually really helps because as an individual trader, that's one of the things we don't have is a progression path. And do they give you a plan to trade with, or are you basically left by yourself for that? Uh, you kind of make your own trading plan. So everybody at the firm will trade a little bit differently. Everybody has a different style. Uh, they only give you the risk management parameters like, hey, you can't lose more than X in a day. You can't lose more than X in a week. And your profit targets to get to the next level are to hit this goal, uh, but hit it twice in a week. If you hit it once, you're not going to get promoted. You have to hit it two weeks in a row. To get promoted to the next level. So what do you think the danger signals are that show you that you're not out, cut out for trading? I mean, it's not going to be for everyone, is it? Yeah, the, I think the danger signals really are if you're a really emotional human being. right? If you're really, really emotional, you wear your emotions on your sleeve, you wear your heart on your sleeves, and you are affected or act by everything, it's going to be a tough business. People who really make for great traders that I've found after coaching many traders are ex-pilots make for really amazing traders. Why? Because, well, they're used to having a checklist. They're used to like following a process unemotionally, right? And doing it every single time. Pilots make for great traders. 
ex-poker players make for great traders because again they know how to when to hold it know when to fold it right they know all of that and they and they also are not averse to risk so they make for great traders uh, people who not don't make for good traders are people who are risk averse right you, your your hope uh, your fear of loss is stronger than you hope for gain great traders their hope for gain is stronger than their fear of loss. So if that's the case, if your fear of loss is stronger, then it's going to have a tough uh, career. If you're emotional, it's going to be tough. Uh, and also, if you cannot create accountability, self-accountability, that's also going to be a tough business as well. Because again, there's no boss, there's no employee. And it's very easy to make a mistake when it comes to trading. Just close your laptop. Nobody will ever find out that mistake that I made, right? It's very easy to hide behind a computer screen. So having self-awareness, self-accountability is really important and imperative uh, for a trader's success. And you'd also think that it would be important to look at yourself and look look after yourself emotionally, physically, health-wise. Um, I mean, there there is that the cliche of the trader sitting behind the computer screen with, you know, cigarettes and drinking too much coffee and basically not looking after themselves. But that seems to me to speak to being slaves, a slave to your emotions. Yeah, typically, if you have to do things to control your emotions, then uh, then you're still emotional. You're just putting a Band-Aid on it. And sooner or later, further down in your career, it'll come out in ugly ways. So I always tell people, like, trading is the biggest personal development journey that I've embarked on. Like I've learned so much about myself and my own psyche just by being a trader because, as you said, rightly, you have to control everything, right? You have to be unemotional. You have to be in the moment. You can't be super unhealthy. You can't be partying all day and coming back and expecting to be your best in the morning, right? It doesn't work like that. So it's a very disciplined career. It's the closest thing to a sport, just like in a sport, not everybody's going to get picked for the team. Not everybody's going to make it, but the top people are going to make it. Uh, why do the top people make it? Guess what they're doing? Michael Jordan. He's reviewing game footage. So what are traders doing? We're tracking our trades. We're reviewing our journals, right? Professional sports people are watching game footage of their opponents. They're seeing what I can tweak, fix, optimize. And the same thing with traders. Traders will have that mindset of, it took me five seconds to get my order in on that trade. How can I get it down to four seconds? Like thinking in those terms like a sport is the closest analogy that i can provide and it's also important to understand emotions even if you're just a long-term investor as well because so many people with their long-term portfolios have sold at the bottom and started buying in again when it's too late and um, you know this is a really important thing to understand about yourselves because um, the emotions you feel with money can um, trip you up sometimes yeah and i think uh, it has and i think that's kind of what makes the market move right like uh, the, the some somebody needs to sell for you to buy and somebody needs to buy for you to sell. So there's that always that polarity. And uh, as we always talk about, uh, stock market runs on just two emotions, fear and greed. And all we're trying to do as traders is decode which phase we're in. Are we in the greed phase or are we in the fear phase, right? So just a few weeks ago, um, actually in December, the whole stock market was crashing or coming down. We were down 35% for the year. And you could see a lot of people were fearful and a lot of people were being controlled by the fear. So we always end up doing the opposite. That's the time we end up start buying, right? And now when the stock market was going up, everybody is, you know, extremely bullish or greedy. And, you know, you start seeing NFTs and all these things start going all over the place. That's when we know as a trader that, okay, maybe time to start selling into them, right? Maybe start to get out of that. So emotional uh, emotions play out no matter what type of trader you are, long and short term. And But as a long-term investor, what you need to do is, as you said, hey, I'm a long-term investor. So if you're a long-term investor, 
then don't look at things every single day, right? If you're going to trade for a living, don't trade like you have to retire next week, right? Trade for the long haul. And if you're investing, as the word says, you should technically should never be pulling out of the markets unless things get really, really insane. Because the stock market has always been higher than what it was the past 10 years, always. So if you just maintain that position, you dollar cost average, you slowly grow your wealth, and you, you know, every month you contribute something from your job, from your income, you're putting it, auto-investing it. That is a surefire way to take care of your wealth down the line in the future. So Anmol, if people want to find out more about live traders, where can we direct them? Definitely. I have, a, I have a, f- a free gift for audience. If they're more interested about learning about trading and investing, uh, they could go to livetradersguide.com and you'd get my uh, free checklist and my free guide and also an introductory course. That'll give them a really good perspective on whether they should even get into trading in the first place. Uh, and then that's kind of where they can start their journey All right, livetraders.com. And Mal Singh, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for having me. It was great chatting with you. Thanks for listening to Stocks for Beginners. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.